ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. Hello and welcome to the gun racks and more Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper Folks. Call me Joey. And with me, we have two people. We have one, of course. Drew Poplin. That was a very sloppy setup on my part, but you picked up the spare. And then who who was our second guest here today? This is George Demopoulos. George Demopoulos, also known as Team Bakelite himself, <laughs> the man, the legend. Super happy to have him here. It's I've not been cool. here in a minute either. Super excited to be a part of things here today. There's so much to talk about. And uh, we're going to hop right into it. Although I feel like it's pretty important to mention before we get into shout outs, the subject of our conversation prior to hitting the record button in terms of, of remedying any causes related to dolphins experiencing homelessness. Where did we end on that, on that line of thought? I think we ended at dolphins living in tents outside your local bodega. Yeah, that was it. Because we're going to be house flippers. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. We talk about quality things before we record, and then we record garbage, and then we turn it off when we talk about quality things again. Hey, it's, um, it's, it's my belief that every dolphin deserves to have a good home. Yes. I agree with that. I think that's, I, I don't think that's a controversial statement to make. <laughs> we're going to get awful, awful political here with these dolphin leeches. <laughs> trying to take my precious ocean garbage and turn something out of it without creating <laughs> anything of value of their own absolutely not joey abolish uh, the ocean postal service yes i was gonna say joey for those of that don't know which you probably want because this is a audio format joey is recording this episode from his brand new office that may or may not be haunted it is supposedly haunted we are in lovely old salem which is um in uh, north carolina i can tell you guys now after being away from for a little bit doing some freelance work um very excited to be the director of marketing and communications for old salem here in north carolina and uh if you ever feel like coming and immersing yourself in some living history there is no better place to do it than, than out here. We would love to have you. We also have a museum here called the Museum of Early Southern Decorative Arts. And uh, it's all, it's pretty amazing stuff. So if you ever want to come down Winston-Salem, North Carolina, come visit Old Salem Museum and Gardens. There's a shameless self-plug for you, but I'm super excited to be here. It's awesome. And I have an office, an actual office for the first time well, you know, I work from home, so home office, but an office office. There's stuff in here that's not mine. That's kind of fun. Remote like work or no more? So far, it has been no remote work at all. And there's a fair amount of um, running kind of the whole marketing shindig. So photography, things that you literally have to physically be there is going to be kind of under my purview here for the foreseeable future. So there may be some time where I can work away. 
but I don't anticipate very much of it. And honestly, I'm in a house that George Washington spent some time in. So why would I be elsewhere? That's pretty friggin' cool. So you know what I brought in here almost first thing though? What? It's a very large box of zip is sitting in the corner of this office. Oh, you know, are your coworkers, is George, in fact, aware of zip fizz? No, and that is my deep personal failing. I will give my assessment of this, and then I will give my recently graduated from pharmacy school friends assessment of zip fizz. Mine is, it is, if you take two of them in a day, some multivitamin, sugar-free, taurine-free, baby. 100 milligrams of caffeine and more B12 than you can shake a stick at. It was basically a cup of, fi- uh, cup, I almost said cup of fiber. I don't know why. <laughs> cup of coffee that makes you feel euphoric. And you drink two of them a day. It's only 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's not bad. What my pharmacist or pharmacy school recently graduated friend said was, this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> uh, what does he know? Sounds you know? like more lies from uh, big pharma. From from big, big medical, pharma, yeah, from big pharma. They're trying from to keep. Pharma. They're trying to keep you uh, unenergized, so you can't work. They're trying to keep you down, man. That's what I'm saying. He is the man, <laughs> and we gotta we gotta stick it to the man. Um, I bet he would probably stand for some subsidized dolphin housing. Yeah. <laughs> seems like that kind of guy. So <laughs> he's definitely a subsidized dolphin housing guy. Yeah. So we're certainly very, very excited for Joey's new gig. Um, that's probably going to be a topic of conversation because they do have yeah, that smithing portion. Very relevant material over here that you guys are going to love. They do stuff on commission here. And that stuff is um, high end black powder stuff. Well, we could talk about it more depth down the road, but they literally do it like it was done 200-ish years ago. Nothing that is, the, nothing that could be too modern for that time period is utilized on any level. So as uh, people would do it here, uh, back when old Salem was just Salem, that's what they're doing out there. It's It's really cool. It's so cool. No wireless Dremel? No wireless Dremel. Ripperoni. <laughs> Rip to my friend wireless Dremel. But we're certainly excited about that. It's an awesome place. If you're ever in the Piedmont Triad area, certainly go visit. Uh, they have some amazing bread, too, I might add. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yes. As a baking enthusiast, and by that I mean my wife bought me a bread-making machine, and I use that. <laughs> um, you know, it's quality stuff, quality stuff. Now, let's get into some uh, shout-outs real quick. Um, so we have a couple of comments. I asked for some comments when we did the my top war films of all time. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah, and people actually commented, so that was cool. By the way, George, go be thinking of some of your favorites. Uh, I'm intrigued by which, wait, which one? The, first, the Terminator, the first one. No question. Perfect war movie. There we go. <laughs> Dude, the, the future right. war scenes. I was about anyway. to say, it can count as a war if Absolutely. it's, you know, prescient. I mean, we were pretty lax with our uh, with our own picks in some areas. So, you know, who are we to say Terminator is not a <laughs> war film rather than an action-adventure film? Uh, so we had Joe Karpinski comment. We love Joe. 
He mentioned the Dirty Dozen. Oh, sorry, oh, Guns of Navarone. Movie. Yeah, I actually haven't seen it, which is surprising because I'm do like my westerns, but definitely one I'm going to need to check out. I have Bridge on the Route for Kwai. Another great one. Mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan. It's the yeah. Longest Day, which I didn't mention, but uh, I am a fan of. Well, not a fan of the actual Longest Day, but <laughs> the movie was pretty good. Midway, Full Metal Jacket. Classic. Fury, Inglorious Bastards, Black Hawk Down, 1917, Casualties of War, Guy Ritchie's Covenant, Apocalypse Now, Platoon, and The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which is... One of the saddest films I think has ever been created. I I don't think that's hyperbole on any level. I mean, I I cried during Detective Pikachu, so that was pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, we said one of, you know, we... Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. No one mentioned Bridge Too Far? crime kind of film. (laughs) No uh, no one mentioned Bridge Too Far? Classic I don't think that was... uh, I don't think that was on your list. I don't think I mentioned on mine. I'll um, give a shout out though. Nineteen seventeen. I don't remember. I don't think I put that on my list. I don't remember. Did I? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Word. <laughs> Say that's one of those movies that came out. It was excellent, and then just no one talked about it. Yep. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's maybe the best World War One film in the past century, and uh, uh, it's just well, no, because All Quiet on the Western Front came out in the thirties. Forget me. It's definitely the best one to come out in the past 75 years or so and uh, just get swept under the rug with all the other big films that came out at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But you'll be right when we redo our list in like 10 years. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. And then Top Gun 484 uh, commented. We appreciate both him and Joe commenting. Uh, Top Gun 484 said American Sniper, Platoon, all quiet on the Western Front, though he didn't specify original or the newest. It's a series, right? It's a movie, but it's okay. very, um, very different. Gotcha. Very different. Gotcha. Uh, he also had Fury, Saving Private Ryan, Glory, which was your number two, right? It's a freaking banger of a movie. I don't remember where it was, but it's an amazing film. Yeah. Platoon, Full Metal Jacket. Red Dawn. I'm glad Red Dawn got a I shout see. out. That better not be the one with Josh Peck, is all I'm trying to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, and uh, Black Hawk Down. So we thank you guys for commenting some of your favorite war films of all time. George, give us your top five. Top five war films of all time. Well, I already said Terminator. So obviously that's number one. Um, here's a movie, here's a book that they don't have a movie about, but they should is um, The Storm of Steel. It's um it's like a, it's like a memoir that this uh, German stormtrooper from World War One wrote, and it's like the basically the opposite takeaway of all quiet on the Western Front because like this guy was in like a he like and all his like school friends like like loved the war you know they were like down with it because they were like part of like this like super elite squad instead of just like in the meat grinder you know so mm-hmm. it's um I I'm 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 not I'm not surprised that they haven't made a movie about it because it really glorifies like all all the horrible things about yeah. World War One <laughs> glorifies Germany in a world war. <laughs> It is a great book, though. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Bridge, Bridge Too Far is great. There's that one scene where uh, the Germans are trying to get the British to surrender, and uh, the British turn it around on them. They're like, oh, we can't, we don't have the facilities to take all of you guys prisoner. So sorry about that. We'd like to. 
then uh what's his name sean connery spends most of the movie hiding in a uh in someone's attic he's like he's like a general okay. like paratroops in he like just hides in someone's attic the entire time because there's like nazis running around outside the building that one's pretty good but you, i mean you, i feel like you guys have mentioned well oh indiana jones obviously you know oh that is kind yeah. of a war film raiders of the I'll lost Ark. they fight nazis yeah hey man i'll take that i i like this very artistic interpretation of what a war film is well you guys already <laughs> picked all the good ones no i like it i will add to that as long as we're talking about books war related that should be made into movies tom clancy's red storm rising is maybe the best military book ever written and it's his second book which is just unfair my man wrote the hunt for red october which i did not include as a war film but is maybe my favorite movie of all time Damn, all right. um, and then red storm rising afterwards which is this almost 800 page sprawling epic about world war three from like every possible angle you could consider it is nutballs and it would be like you know how they just made dune and now we're having to roll out dune too hmm. um it would have to be at least that thick of a it would have to be two very long movies to make it work on any level um and we probably would need oscar isaac somewhere to to sell it but i do think i don't like war movies have a propensity to end up kind of on the propaganda e side of entertainment for just sure for sure as as a byproduct of what they are in the subject material hmm. and uh red storm rising is just all about whooping up on some russians which i think would be um difficult to do right now uh with any level of finesse <laughs> but um maybe if things cool down or if we just want to say screw it let's make an insanely propaganda style video we can get red storm rising parts one two and three i mean it, did, it didn't stop the looney tunes from doing that exact thing hey man they, and they, they did it well by their own drum all right <laughs> this is their world we just live in it <laughs> oh i never got too into tom clancy i feel like maybe i should now you haven't read tom clancy i don't think i've read any of his oh. books um so libby do you know what libby is uh -huh. okay so it's online it's basically kindle but for public libraries okay um it's just an app you plug in your library card and you can just have books there they keep pretty much all of his stuff and it's all good it's so good it's he's one of the last few authors in that genre that like defined how we perceive that kind of thing mm -hmm. and uh I mean, we get Clear and Present Danger, Some of All Fears. Um, what's the movie with Harrison Ford? Oh, oh shoot. Um, there are at least four Tom Clancy films out there. Patriot Games, which is a dope movie. And John Krasinski, Jack Ryan. Um, all Tom Clancy-isms. And he uh, was, there were rumors that he published Red Storm Rising and uh, Soviet agents tried to kill him about it because the information he had was so good. I don't know how true those rumors are, but I do know that he met presidents about it um, wow. after the fact, because that's how good his stuff was. <laughs> um, 
it's it's crazy man it's all this stuff that he was like guessing at we now know to be historical fact he just figured it out about two or three years early um <laughs> by his lonesome it's it's so good it's so good well too bad i'll never be able to sign up for libby because i don't believe in giving the government my whereabouts on a library card so there you go you know <laughs> and the dolphins for page <laughs> i knew a uh, kid in like fifth grade that uh, was reading Tom Clancy novels. You know, shout out to Robbie if you're listening for whatever. Oh uh, yeah, how how were you when you started reading Tom Clancy? Um, thirteen or fourteen. Okay, that that was. I'm trying to think of what I would have been reading at thirteen, fourteen. That's also where Rainbow Six came from for all my gamer boys. Mm-hmm. Rainbow, Rainbow Six, Six. Is a Tom Clancy book. Maybe rereading holes or something. That's an acceptable use of your time, though. Yeah. And then just watching the movie. I don't think yeah. I've seen that one. Holes? Oh, yeah, I don't think dude. I've seen it. I also I also haven't seen Avatar, so like I'm pretty uncultured when it comes to a lot of movies. Wait, the the Blue People movie or the hit Nickelodeon show from 20 years ago? I've seen the hit Nickelodeon show, but I have not okay. seen the Blue People movie. The Which is also James Cameron, just like Terminator. Is it is Terminator James Cameron? Oh, it's his first movie. Oh my gosh. Dude, he's oh, just been doing bangers. Like Avatar is just such a it, it just does not have all that much substance outside of being a beautiful movie, aesthetically speaking. Imagine making first two Terminator movies and then being like, I'm gonna make the Titanic now. I think he did he did uh, uh, aliens before Titanic too. He, I thought that was Ridley Scott. This, uh, the first one's Ridley Scott. Aliens is with, um, who's the actor? Oh my God. Scott Bean. He plays Kyle Reese in um, the first Terminator movie. He's also like the, um, oh, I forget his name, but he's one of the, he's one of the troopers in Aliens. He's one of the ones who survives. Um, but yeah, yeah James, James Cameron did uh, the, the Aliens, the second one. Aliens is a great movie. Both yeah, of them sure. are good, but they're wildly different. I love Aliens. Speaking of great war movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, also, um, what is it? Enemy at the Gates. That's one of the people. Oh. I, it's a guilty pleasure for sure. Just because, I mean, Jude Law, he's handsome. That girl's pretty attractive too. The story's pretty yeah. great. I haven't seen it in a while. With freaking Bob Hoskins playing Nikita Khrushchev for some reason. Oh my God. And they got, what's his name too? Who's the bad guy? I'm totally blanking on his name right now. Um. I know who you're actors. talking about. He he was in a um he was in the Truman Show. Oh, there's more guys. The one with the rifle gets killed. The one behind him picks up the rifle and shoots. <laughs> That's like the Which first I don't think movie. It's based in historical facts, but it's like one of the best war movie lines of all time. For sure. So good. I'd love uh, to surface I, another good one. What's that? From uh, Apocalypse Now? Or, yeah. No, I I get the Charlie yeah, Dozer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Drew's clues before before this becomes a war movie in podcast. <laughs> um, which maybe it should be. What do we got this week? Or what did we have last week, I should say? So about three or four weeks ago was our last Drew's clues. That the answer to that one, if anyone was curious, was the DPMS Panther Oracle. Now this week here are the clues. This 12-gauge pump-action dual-magazine bullpup shotgun, that was the expression, looks a bit like a javelin rocket launcher. 
has a magazine capacity of seven plus seven, overall length of 26.1 inches, a barrel length of 18.5 inches, a trigger pull of five pounds. And we referenced this brand not too long ago. What firearm am I talking about? If you know the answer, I encourage you, please comment on uh, YouTube when we post this episode. Comment in the you know section below or send an email to marketing at sdi.edu with a you know a heading saying Drew's clues, just so we know what you're talking about. If you are the first one to get the answer correct, we will send you a free shirt. So why not? Give it a shot. And you know, if you get it wrong, there's really no consequences for that. Uh, we have yet to air out uh, wrong answers. So uh, yeah, but we might start. You never know. You never. Yeah, the only wrong answer I think we've ever given is "No wonder the hood don't like us." Just <laughs> <laughs> my favorite comment we've ever received. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to top that. Um, Real quick, let's talk about uh, SDI. Sonoran Desert Institute, otherwise known as SDI, is an online school that helps students learn the skills and techniques they'll need to be successful in the firearms and unmanned technology industries. Uh, that little bit's about to change soon, uh, probably about really? September. But you know, just you know, keep your uh, keep your ears open. Anyway, SDI is accredited by the Distance Education Accrediting Commission, the DEAC, and currently we offer two programs in firearms technology. That would be the Associate of Science in Firearms Technology and the Certificate in Firearms Technology Gunsmithing. If you have any curiosity about either of these two programs and want to find out more, head to our website at www.sdi.edu for more information. Now, and you've heard from him plenty already, that we are with George, the owner of Team Bakelite. Um, and Team Bakelite, we all own Team Bakelite. We're all comrades here. Wow. Well, <laughs> my, man, my man does not trust the government enough to get a library <laughs> card, but very socialistic when it comes to Team Bakelite. That is the people's team. Honestly, we should have known when you said your favorite one of your favorite war movies was Enemy at the Gates. Like you've been <laughs> dropping hints throughout this entire conversation, and now it's finally culminated to this. So here we are. And uh we really want to use this episode, you know, to kind of get to know George better. But you know, just starting off, George, tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up, sort of where you grew up what you wanted to be and you know eventually how did you first become interested in firearms all right well pretty sure that i was raised in a cave uh by wolves um i was yes. born with this beard um and uh it's been growing every day since actually though i was uh i was born in the same hospital as ronnie james dio which is my claim to fame in uh, portsmouth new hampshire Heck yeah. and uh i grew up there until like I forget. It was like it was like before I could remember. I moved to Illinois, then I moved back to New Hampshire, and I grew up there for like most of the rest of my life. And uh, I don't know. As far as like interest in firearms goes, I guess you can either take it. You can probably date it all the way back to GoldenEye 007. Heck yeah, let's go. Yeah. And uh, go. I always just thought they were really neat. Um, there's just something about them that uh, I don't know. Like some people like cars and watches. You know, I love like like instruments, like uh, bass guitars. I love and. Uh, I feel like I was talking to my friend the other day. I feel like there's a lot of, um, especially in, in like the world of like AKs, because there's so much like 
like a lot of it's just like people like hyping up things, you know, and I feel like you get a, a similar way with a lot of like um, different kinds of bass guitars where there's like some like super niche thing, you know, like only a couple of random people know about synthesizers are like this a lot too, where there's like some guy in his garage who like builds a synthesizer or like some guy in his garage, who like, like uh, builds a bass guitar. And then like, suddenly like, that's like the new hot thing outside of yeah. like, you know, all the, all the, like the mainstream ones. But uh, as far I, so I was, I was in firearms a lot when I was like a kid. And then I like went to college and I got more into like, like skiing and stuff like that. But um, I guess probably back around 2020, I started getting back into guns again. And I, I never actually owned one before then. And so then I got my first one. It was a Turkish 1911, which uh, I didn't know at the time. I was upset because after I learned it, because I'm Greek and Greek and Turkish people aren't supposed to like each other, but I still have the 1911. So that should tell you something about, you know, reconciliation. And uh, as far as writing goes, I I originally, I went to school for journalism and I thought I was going to go to law school, but that didn't end up happening because I got into, uh, I got into playing like music. And so I'm in a couple bands in Denver, uh, mostly like jam band oriented stuff and like electronic music too. Um, so I got into the whole freelancing thing to kind of support myself as like a side gig for the music thing that started in like March of 2019. Um, and I figured, you know, I could, I could work remotely and I could just like be on the road with my band all the time. I wouldn't have to go into an office. And, uh, so we scheduled a couple tours, um, to go off in 2020. And then there weren't any more tours after dude, Friday the 13th. All right. Here's a story. Friday, the 13th, Friday, March 13th. We'd had like one of the biggest shows that we ever had scheduled. It was in this venue. We were like, we'd sold like you know over hundred tickets, like us personally, like go, talk, going and talking to our friends. We'd like sold hundred tickets, which is how it works now, actually. Like you think that promoters like, you know, put up posters and like, you know, sell tickets, but they don't do that. Basically, if you're in a band, you have to pimp out your friends to some gigantic corporation that's owned by one guy who's the 40th richest person in the country. Anyway, I digress. They canceled, they, uh, the governor canceled all events of 50 people or more two hours before our sound check. So that was a big bummer. And uh, so, but I mean, ever since then, like the whole writing thing is kind of stuck because it's been something that like, I can like, I can like kind of have um, control over my own time, which I like a lot. It's like nice to be able to go skiing on like a Wednesday because on the weekend, it's like, you know, there's just people everywhere. It's insane. And uh, I don't have to commute anywhere, which it, like, dude. So I worked in a big uh, greenhouse, right? And I had to, I was driving there, like it, was like, it was like an hour there and back every day. It was horrible. I hated it. So that's, anyway, I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting lost in the weeds here, but uh, that's how I ended up being a content writer and why I love guns. Tiny micro sidebar. I just received a text message from Chris Ross, digital marketing specialist at Whoa. SDI. And if you guys understand it, I would love to know three words. That's Luffy Mama. L-U-F-F-Y-M-O-M-M-A. I don't know what that means. Don't you dare ask him. Luffy. That's, that sounds like a, that sounds like a autocorrect gone wrong to me. It does. But like so many things had to go wrong to put that sentence together. Well, what do we know about Chris Ross? He likes anime. He does. Very fluent in memes. <laughs> uh, just a quick Google search, which, you know, I don't know what kind of list I'm on now, uh, typing <laughs> in Luffy Mama, but it offers Luffy Mom. Luffy's mother is a character in the anime One Piece. True, that was so fast. 
listen, after some practice, you get you know used to having to type in stuff into Google quick. But how that relates to anything you sent or didn't send, if he just sent it out of the blue. We were talking about different forms of digital advertising methods. I don't, I don't know what the connection is. You have now as much information as I have. I think I got it. Okay. He is suggesting okay. an old Salem anime. Because another thing we know oh. about, because another thing we know about Chris Ross, Chargers fan, what has Chargers social media been famous for the last two years? Doing their schedule release as an anime. It's That's funny. the connection. It goes all the way to the top. What What, what does that say? <laughs> I see indi- one of the very few extant copies of Wild Indigo. <laughs> erotic fan fiction written about old Salem. <laughs> I found it. So we may not have an anime, but man... Yes, source material. Some, yes, source some material. Truly yeah. mediocre smut available <laughs> for those willing to do some some deep, deep Google searches to find one shipped to you. What was that called? Wild Indigo by Judith Stanton. Are you a, are you uh, a fan of uh, historical period piece smut? <laughs> I wasn't, but now I feel like <laughs> I have to be. I'm a company man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just a quick That's me hiding it back in its special spot. Um, <laughs> the I got a copy for our friend Andy as a thank you for for helping out with something we were working on earlier. So if you ever want to read it, Drew, <laughs> you know who to hit up. <laughs> we're blessed. I'm reading the uh, the description on Amazon right bad. now. <laughs> Imagine every like you know we can. We can debate at length how how sensitive our culture is to offense for different types of things in this life. But I think everyone can find a little something to be offended by. Just the synopsis is like, oh no. Oh. And then like you're looking at so I clicked on the uh author's a bio it's just her with like her horse you know like this sweet old looking lady uh a steady street well this uh say this tracks uh judas lives in north carolina where she and her husband tend to her elderly equine friends and a steady stream of rescued cats (laughs) that does sound like someone not entirely familiar with Rom- romantic interactions. <laughs> yes. But hey, what do I know? Um, what do I know? I know. She's going to be like our biggest fan and really mad at me. If she, <laughs> listen, if she ever hears this, if you hear this, you you send me an email and I will interview you right here and we'll have a wonderful time. It'll be great. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, what a day that would be. Yeah. So, George, you mentioned your band. Um, you actually have a keyboard behind you. I'm guessing you play uh, a decent amount of, you know, the keyboard. You know, tickle the ivories a little bit. If I'm not mistaken, you consider yourself a multi-instrumentalist? Talented multi-instrumentalist, actually. Ooh. Yeah, because when, when was the last time you heard about an instrumentalist or a multi-instrumentalist who wasn't talented? 
You know, there's no mediocre multi-instrumentalists out there. Oh, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> that pokes a hole through my argument. But I am, I'm, I'm in several bands. I'm in a couple different bands. Um, one is called Giant Walking Robots. It's like a reggae band. Um, we also have, uh, it's like, it's like a eclectic kind of, like, uh, it's a, we, it, like, there's the main, the main singer loves reggae and stuff, but it's kind of eclectic. We have like a lot of different influences. I'm also in a band called Denver Jamtronica Solutions, LLC, um, which is a professional company. You can look us up on Facebook, actually. We have nothing but five-star reviews. We So speaking of digital marketing, we had a guerrilla marketing campaign where we got all of our friends to give us five-star reviews. And uh, all these reviews are like, uh, I lost my cat in a tree. Denver Gentronica Solutions showed up and played uh, transfusion music in my front yard for two hours. My cat's still up there, but I had a great time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I play, I, play, I play mostly bass guitar, but I do also play keyboards. Um, I started doing that kind of recently. Um, I, but I've taken piano lessons for like 10 years when I was a kid. And like, that's the only reason that I actually know how music works now. So I figured I'd, you know, get back into it. And uh, I do sing sometimes, actually. I have a rock opera about um, ancient Greece. Whoa. It's a, yeah, it's based on this book called The Anabasis. This dude, Xenophon, he joined this army that they're all like Greek mercenaries. And they went over to Persia to try and like overthrow the, the, the younger, the king's younger brother hired them to kill his brother, basically, so he could be king. And so they won this big battle, but the person who's going to pay them got killed. So they end up like there's this whole like decision point where they're like do like because they're um the they're like you know really really deep in like an enemy country with like everybody wants to kill them and they have no leadership anymore. So like there's this decision point where they're like do we surrender and like because the all the, the Persian army is like hey like give us all your weapons we'll be fine you know don't worry about it everything's gonna be okay just give them up and so they decide not to. And uh, they have to end up fighting their way all the way to the Black Sea to where all these um, like uh, Greek colonies are. And so they make it. And this dude, uh, he, he ended up being like the one of the leaders. They like democratically elected a bunch of leaders. And he ended up write, like writing everything, too. It's a pretty crazy story. If you guys ever get a chance to read it, um, definitely do it. It's called The Anabasis uh, and it translates to March Up Country. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, like, it's like one of the like, like first like military memoirs like ever written that we that we still have a copy of because um, this is like. You know, like just this is like like late like Greece and Persia interactions kind of thing. So it's like after 300, but it's like before Philip of Macedon. So anyway, that's my rock opera, and uh, it's not quite finished wow. yet, but I've been working on it. I'm looking forward to that. I I like me a good uh, concept album. Well, so I actually haven't recorded any of it as an album yet. It's just it's only I've only performed it live, oh, so man. technically not a concept album yet. Still just a rock opera. Gotcha. When you're when you're in the business like I am, you know all the you know nuances of the jargon. Oh, oh, okay. Coming <laughs> here onto our podcast and trying to flex <laughs> on us. Bold strategy, God, and let's see how that pays off. So, you know, talking yeah. a, talking a little bit more about music. Uh, so you play bass, you play keys. What sort of instruments do you have? I have I have like four different bass guitars. Um, I have a, so the one I play the most is a modulus Q5. It's like a five string. Um, the neck is made out of, um, carbon fiber. Like when I was talking earlier about some guy in his garage, like making the next cool thing, this is like, a like a, a NASA and or he was a, he was an aerospace engineer subcontracted to NASA. So not technically a NASA scientist, but a scientist who did work for NASA. Mm -hmm. Um, he took a bunch of acid at a Grateful Dead concert. And like came up with like this design in his head and came up like he like went home and built it. And now it's like one of like, you know, the like on most high end guitars, 
like you want to get your like graphite neck because it makes it basically immune to weather and so like you can Whoa. take it like wherever you want and like the 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 neck will never flex or anything i had i had the same set of strings on it for i think like two or three years and uh they never went out of tune it's pretty crazy i did end up eventually changing them um which you know one of the biggest regrets of my life i also have a alembic which was um are, are you guys grateful dead fans at all not like, really you know, not really so there's this dude owsley who uh he was one of their sound guys for a while and uh he started this bass guitar company and it's alembic so like like the like the Grateful Dead's uh, sound guy basically started this company and started making these bass guitars. So those are my two main workhorses basically. Then I have a, a Yamaha a six string. That's uh, have you guys ever heard of Dream Theater? Yeah. So it's like the Dream Theater bass guitar player's signature bass. I have one of those. Um, and then I also have just like a boring old uh, Fender like jazz bass, which yeah. I hopefully can sell for more keyboard money coming up here soon. Actually, mm-hmm. gotta get I'm that still keyboard. Still the Squire jazz bass right now. Dude, those are those are good. I just uh, you know, as you know, as such a talented multi instrumentalist, I've yeah, you dude. know transcended. You're too cash money. Exactly, exactly. I need five strings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you have that's, a, that's my basis. Okay, okay. In the keyboard world, are you? Do you have a Moog perchance? I was I was going. First of all, it's it is pronounced Moog. I don't I don't mean to be that guy, but it's a uh, oh, long nose. <laughs> wow i'm um, just saying i'm just saying we have the museum we have the museum where i live and the pun Ugzim only works if it's moog uh, you are right, you can call it whatever you want to because he's much like how uh john cornelius garand is now dead no can't tell anyone that they're all pronouncing his name wrong mm-hmm. you know bob moog isn't going to come back from the dead and say you're pronouncing his name wrong but we don't know that we don't know that okay <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but long story short, I don't have a Moog though. Uh, I was going to get one, but um, I, and so I, this is earlier this year um, in Colorado, we got this thing called Tabor. I don't, it's short for something. I don't know what it is, but basically it's like a, a tax refund. And so um, the government didn't give me enough government keyboard money to buy a Moog. So I went with something a little cheaper instead. So my government mandated keyboard is not a Moog, unfortunately. Gotcha. It's a novation. Oh, okay. So you listeners listening right now, one thing about George uh, relating to firearms is he is a big AK advocate. I am. Uh, How did that, uh, how'd that come about? I don't know. Um, I, uh, I honestly couldn't tell you. I, there's just something about like the, you know, the lines of the profile, I guess that really get me going. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I do. I do have. I do have an AR, but I don't know. The AK thing is just like uh, I don't, there's there's a lot more like uh, interesting like history. I feel like tied up to it rather than like, like ARs are probably more functional. I'm not gonna argue that, but um, I'm also like a pretty big history buff. And uh, you know, the AK is the most produced rifle like ever in the history of the world. It's been used on conflicts everywhere, used in conflicts everywhere. And uh, I just always thought that was interesting. I actually I have two AKs. I have a Wasser 10 that I've been pimping out with, you know, as much Bakelite as my wallet can handle at any given time. Cause dude, those Bakelite magazines, they get expensive. It's like, I, I've personally seen since I started like getting into them, Bakelite magazines have gone from like 80 bucks, to, like over a hundred for like a single magazine. Oh my gosh. Wow. People are like buying stocks. I'm like stocking up on this like carcinogenic plastic that they haven't made since the eighties. But 
yeah and my so my second one is uh my second ak is built by this um it's like a colorado company it's called m&m uh m plus m not like the wrapper or like the candy uh-huh. but actually fun fact the pistol grip is hollow so if you wanted to put m&ms in there for a nice little snack if you ever got tired you could do that or some mom's spaghetti <laughs> that you could do that's what i actually lubricate my ak with is mom's spaghetti ah ah yeah. yeah good call on that uh joey you got any questions no not really it's george and i met a couple of years ago and we haven't had the chance to catch up in forever it's just really good to hang out good to see you um, too again man yeah we both have a love for the ak platform and for the bass guitar although mine's much more um i touch it about once every three or four months as opposed to on any sort of regular basis but um yeah a lot of fun and um our 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 movie game is all over the place so (laughs) if you the listener have a list of top war movies and i think we've established that the criteria for a war movie is uh pretty friendly (laughs) to whatever you want it to be send them in marketing at sda.edu or slap that uh on a comment in one of our social feeds and uh yeah come come let us know does sicario count as a war movie it's the war on drugs oh that's a good movie it's a great well, movie isn't that benicio del toro uh yes yeah. i think so and uh dude i saw the second one it was definitely not as good it was kind of kind of disappointing hmm. but the first one was great rambo slaps yeah i was kind of surprised they actually made a second one it seems like the whole story was done like in the first like right but hey you know you got to get that cash money especially in hollywood cash money you know how it is you know how it be real quick what has been your favorite article that you've worked on for sdi all right good question i actually it's far and away the can an ak shoot through a brick article because (laughs) i moved into this house and it's a brick house right and i saw red dawn and i'm like you know what happens on. yeah yeah I was, I was like what happens when like the russian paratroopers come down they like you know they're like there's george he's in there and i'm like no and they you know open up my house because they're afraid to come inside because my dog is so vicious you know she'll beat them all up so they, they're trying to take me out from the outside and i was like will the bricks stop a 762 by 39 so i went up to my my friends got a 35 acre ranch up in the mountains and uh, i went up there with a bunch of uh, different kinds of uh i had, like some concrete blocks and i had like actual bricks and stuff and uh, what I discovered was that a, a, br- a single brick will stop a 762. I, what I did was I put a, a brick in front and then a brick behind it. And I like wedged them together between uh, some concrete. And uh, if you shoot a brick with 762, the brick will explode. But the brick behind it will be completely untouched. So really? yes, totally completely untouched. Not even cracked or anything. Which makes sense. Fascinating. It makes sense if you think about how ceramic armor works. Right, because ceramic armor—the whole idea is like a ceramic, like a little ceramic hexagon, like absorbs the impact of the bullet and breaks. Right, and that's kind of sim—I feel it's kind of similar. Like a brick is like a piece of a ceramic plate that you shoot and it explodes because to absorb all the force and it protects what's behind it. So I always, once I did it, it made sense. But when I was like gearing up for this, I was like, dude, these bricks are both going to be completely destroyed, and like this is going to be the end of the story. But uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. And long story short, if I'm inside this house and the Russians come, they try to take me and my dog away as some gulag, they're not going to get us. <laughs> Which I want to be the chief takeaway from this episode. Absolutely. Um, if it's good enough for the three pigs, or at least one of the pigs, you know, then it's... Uh... 
He's good enough to stop at AK. He would, yeah. That's that's the reboot that Hollywood needs right now, is the the tactical reboot of Three Little Pigs. I'd consider watching that. That might make the list of top war films, you know, here pretty soon. Little Pigs, historically, your boundaries are uh, are artificial. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what's what's a House of Straw going to do against an AK-47? That sounds like an article topic. Or how much straw would it take to stop a bullet? That's the next one. For Mm. sure. I bet we could... All right. I, all right. Challenge accepted. There, there we go. go. There we go. If nothing else, you get to go out to the range with some straw and yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, we have, six, we have six and a half miles of straw. Let's see if this stops the 762 by 39. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe you get one of those like giant bales of hay. That's actually not a bad idea now that you mention it. Because I bet that that would stop it just because of how compressed the hay all yeah. is. I mean, there's only one way to find out, gentlemen. There is. I think I can probably find I can probably find a hay guy. There's got to be a hay guy somewhere in Colorado, right? I imagine. Has, has to be. Um. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Before we go, we got a tales, tales from the range. Tales from the range. This one comes from, of course, thehighroad.com, and this is going to be a, just a PSA to our gun rack mafia out there. If you have any tales from the range that you'd want want to share with me and Joey, we'd love to read them. Maybe it'll end up on the podcast. But the highroad.com well is uh is running a bit dry. So um get those in because uh you know user submit stories are better anyway. Web two uh, that's what it is. Yeah. But this one comes to us from Uncle Bill. He says, one of my first turns as an RSO at a local range was the worst screw-up that didn't result in death or great bodily harm I've ever seen. That is a sentence. Um, (laughs) I volunteered for Saturday afternoon, mistake, and the range was very busy. I was watching the handgun range when I heard the very distinct sound of a click instead of a bang. The guy was right in front of me shooting a DA revolver and realized something was wrong. But looked up so puzzled, I started to step up and offer to assist. Just as I approached, he turned the revolver towards my face and looked down the barrel. After I calmed down enough to get him pointed downrange and let go of his gun, we had a nice talk about hang fires and getting your head blown off. Turns out he was using his buddy's hot hand loads. There's a lot of scary folks out there, you know? And that we do, Uncle Bill. That we do know very well. It's sort of been the theme maybe of the last six months to a year of Tales from the Range. Starting off, we wanted to try to find like funny, like, you know, mishaps and mistakes. That line is a very thin line between funny mistake and um, potentially dangerous situation. And we've been getting a lot of those stories lately. So just again, friendly reminder, be safe out there, folks. Be smart. Make sure you got your training, you know up to date you're competent and uh let's make it home so you can listen to another episode of the gun rack yeah baby oh yeah so yeah once again we want to thank george for coming on to the podcast Great to be here. thank you guys this has been awesome well it's been our pleasure joey nice to have you back man uh yeah it's good to be back baby yep 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 i know the mafia is very happy to hear about that until next time that has been the gun rack So everyone, have fun, stay safe, and we will see you at the range.
Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.